I was talking with someone when I was uh, moving over here and they had been, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was, not so I can say, but just so I can uh, know. Although if you remember something, it's not so much that you know it, you uh, remembered it. Maybe we shouldn't get so philosophical in in definitions. Anyways, they were saying, you know, uh, they'd been to Amsterdam many times because they were in the Navy. And uh, this person was joking, you know, every time we went there, we went to port or whatever they say. Do they say to port or is that pirate talk? (laughs) Pirates and and, and seamen are very similar. Yeah. What's the difference, really, except a few funny hats? Like, (laughs) anyways, uh, they're saying every time we we went to uh, to port in Amsterdam, even though there were lots of warnings, we would, uh, you know, a few people would have to get discharged. Because they would, you know. It would be. This is getting a little, a little thick now. Put yeah. put it put into the brig, and then they would have, you know, drug testing eventually, and then uh, things would oh, yeah. work out well. Which, which yeah, they're is, big on that. Which is fine, you know. And this reminds me of a further topic. I uh, uh, I don't know if like if you live in some sort of like you know uh, fancy place back in the U.S., but. But it is no big surprise. That's not what I'm talking about. But you walk around here and you'll just get like, you know, some, some, some whiffs of like just, just, I don't know what the kids call it, pot, weed, the wacky tobacco. And, uh, you Seattle know, smell. there you go. You'll even, you know, you, there'll even be people just like walking around at the zoo, just like, you know, checking out the monkeys getting high. And, uh, I don't know. Is that like, is that, uh, is that like normal? Like in our future, that is it. Is it just no problem? It just seems weird to me. But I think that's just because it, of uh, the environment that that I I grew up in. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's always a little like I, I I was joking about the Seattle smell, but like you know, coming from Australia, which has still pretty strict drug laws. Um, Very odd for Australia, it, but but who knows? <laughs> yeah, the yeah we could talk about that some other time but but the uh yeah going around in seattle you know you just people are i mean it's not even just a whiff it's like dudes over there you know token up or people walk around with one hit just down the street in the business district um so yeah it's uh it's a little different and you know and and as soon as uh soon as they got a little more legalization of the magic mushrooms look out right whoa i think that, i think they recently uh that doesn't work in this town anymore i mean not work but i, I don't think you're supposed to do that and, and amsterdam yeah yeah i mean i yeah. mean as as with a lot of things it's it's sort of like ultimately the punishment for uh any sort of like minor infraction is like a dutch person looks at you sternly and you feel terrible like i think mm. i think the the tool of of shame is is pretty <laughs> powerful around here Mm. I mean, I feel like Amsterdam so great. I mean, it's such an international place. A lot of that doesn't translate. And people are like, what's up? (laughs) That's right. Not everyone's read the, uh, the culture map. They're not up with it, but you know, I, I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's its own sort of thing. If, if, uh, basically if you have a, a, an Amsterdammer look at you sternly, you've done something terribly wrong or you're standing in the bike lane, like one of these two things. (laughs) I, I was, I was, uh, I was sort of, I don't know, half accidentally like cutting off someone like crossing the, the bike lane, uh, on my own bike incorrectly. And I don't really know what was happening. It's not because 
I was, you know, high or anything. And, uh, <laughs> like I was crossing it and, and I sort of knew that I was getting in people's way. I've sort of adapt, adapted, adopted this mentality that as far as I can tell other people here do, uh, which I like to call it's, it's kind of the opposite of what you learn in driver's ed in the U S what you learn in driver's ed for automobiles is uh, what they call defensive driving which is, uh, uh, it's the opposite of how kids think life is, right? Kids think life is driven by fairness and like, you know, people should reciprocate Silly this kids. stuff. Like, you know, like I was explaining to Cormac, just because your sister ate, you know, 50 grams of sugar today does not mean you can eat 50 grams of sugar a day. What she does doesn't matter. Only what you do matters. But I figure, uh, it's, you know, the opposite that the way it is for bike stuff around here is it follows the law of what I like to call you figure it out which is like, you know, bike people are just going to go everywhere, you know, do whatever they want. And the, every, the rest of the world needs to figure it out, right? Like so that, that's their job. Now my problem. So I was kind of following that law and figuring they would figure it out by, by breaking. And, and it, it was, you know, there's a little, little tinkling of bells. And then, and then the most polite sort of yelling at someone that I've ever heard is someone just said, hello, hello, which is, <laughs> which is hilarious. They, they weren't like yelling at me or anything. They're just, I don't know, greeting me when I was uh, yeah. crossing their path. But boy, that caused some problems. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to perpendicular, uh, bike people. No, no. But yeah, it, it's just, it's still odd to walk around and people are just, uh, you know, hanging out, getting high. And then it's it's yeah. a slightly unnerving when you smell something and you can't pinpoint it anywhere. It like yeah. it's it's uh it's odd. And you know, oddly surprisingly enough, I don't really see like drunk people that much. Which which is either people are very like uh secure in their their drunkenness or uh it happens less. I don't know. I'm trying to think more discreet. Yeah, more discreet. <laughs> I I don't I can't I can't offhandedly uh think of seeing like you know clearly drunk people i see lots of people who drink but not like you know stumbling yeah. around drunk people yeah well i mean i was talking to somebody about that the other day that uh they don't really seem to have container laws uh, around australia and then uh except in certain areas they're like you know no alcohol here but everywhere else it's just like you know i was driving my kids to school uh the other day and, and there was a guy like nine o'clock in the morning walking down the street with a beer in his hand i was like mm. oh yeah i guess that's not a thing but you know coming from the u.s i'm a little more uh culturally stigmatized around that or, or you know people having an alcohol at lunch it's just like yeah you might have a beer at lunch but you also you know taking an hour and a half lunch anyway so yeah I mean, that, that makes sense. What, uh, you know, before we get to the technical topics for each of you, what is, what is the, the, uh, uh, there's two, two gradients to this question. And that question is, what is the appropriate time to have the first drink of the day? Which in no way implies like you must have a first drink and then there's also a drink two or whatever. But you know, when, when do the gates open? So this, that's a core question. Now, now the, the two parts of that are one, uh, in just like an everyday normal kind of way, you're going to go out to a business lunch or brunch. I don't know. And then two, let's say on the sort of like a holiday weekend situation where you're not trying to live your professional life. Brandon, what, what is your, your position on this? Which, uh, such personal questions, Kote. I don't know. I don't know what I can answer. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be the rules you follow, just, you know, the ones you yeah. have noticed in the world. 
Yeah, too, too American here. Just, uh, just I don't know, work week, really, just happy hour, I would say, mm. in general. And then, uh, you know, weekend, probably just lunchtime. Yeah. Pretty, pretty standard stuff there. Pretty, you know, nothing too uh, unusual, which I understand, though. Other parts of the world will certainly have a different take on that. Nothing untoward, I think. I think is the way it goes or something. How about you, Matt Ray? I mean, again, yeah. just your, your yeah. own position, things mixed together. It doesn't have to be a comment on, on your life. <laughs> well, I like to start drinking as soon as I wake up. Um, <laughs> no, no, the, uh, definitely uh, when, when, when the workday is done, that's probably a good way to put it. Right. So oh, I like um, that. You like that. Right. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, I might be on site with the customer uh-huh, uh-huh. and, and then we're like, Hey, you know, uh, you want to grab a beer? And, you know, it's five o'clock, six o'clock, you know, that, that, that's cool. But then, you know, sometimes, uh, on a Friday it's like two o'clock, man, <laughs> work week is done. That's right. And then, you, you know, you get down to the pub and it's like, it's already full. Um, so I don't know if that's, uh, an Australia thing or, you know, just the, the crew that, that I tend to yeah. hang out with. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the weekend likes to start early and, uh, you know, um, I, Generally, it, it my my rule of thumb is like when work is done, right? After yeah. after I've had you know a beer, I am no longer in work mode because you know usually I'm thinking about technical stuff and you know that ain't happening after that. Mm. Yeah, Miller time is any time. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh... well, you've got work time and you've got Miller time. Uh huh. <laughs> And by Miller time, I mean never Miller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Miller time is a state of mind, not an actual brand selection. <laughs> uh, well, so as, as uh, well, first of all, I, I, you know, I apologize to you all and anyone uh, who, else who was offended. Uh, last week, I just fell asleep. You know, it's, it's like uh, we start this at 1030 p.m. Amsterdam time. And, uh, I was, I, I put, I put the, the kids to bed and I was with my son and, uh, I fell into the trap. Now, usually when I put him to bed, I sit in a chair next to his bed, but I was a little sleepy. So I, I thought I would relax. I got into bed with him and then I just straight up fell asleep. And that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's the way it happens. But boy, you know, it's one of those sleep is an odd thing it has a lot of written about it over the years. And uh, it is one of the most pleasant, like, comfortable things to, like, just kind of fall asleep uh, after reading stories to your kids. I don't know, you know, this is, they got a tiny bed. It's very uncomfortable. Also, they're there, so it makes the bed even smaller. It seems theoretically not pleasant, but, boy, sure is nice. It's, it's, yep. it's, uh, it's as you kind of say, Matt Ray, it's sort of like the end of the second work day. And you can, <laughs> you can just relax. But what I, yeah. when I was listening to last week, uh, correct me where, I, where I'm wrong here, uh, but you're basically, I think Brandon was saying it's difficult to set up a bunch of different logins for sites and that gets to be owners, especially rando ones based on the Apple ID. And I don't know if, if I, I probably have mentioned this over the years, but like it made me, it made me realize a practice that I do that I don't think about that much anymore. And that is, I actually do, when you go to a, a site, not you, but when I do, and I sign up for something, one, I don't really use like the, uh, the social login because that just bugs me out. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I probably should do that and never life would be easier. <laughs> but what I found also is, and you'll see also there's, there's a reason why this is annoying is like, uh, you end up having to like sign up anyways. 
Like maybe you don't have to use a password, but they still want to know all this information. So anyways, but what I do is you see, I got, uh, I have like wildcard email domain stuff. Mm. So what I'll do is I'll take whatever the site is or, you know, the, the, the name and the URL or in the third case, like just whatever word I think would pop into my mind. And I'll do like, so for example, uh, if I was going to log into, uh, I don't know, Facebook, I, I based that this is an older name that I use, but I would use uh, Facebook at coteindustries.com. And then I just follow that pattern for anything. And, and that seems to work fine. And then it also has the effect. There's, there's two things. One, uh, and I don't ever really able to do this. It's kind of theoretic. Like when New Relic was going public, I was very excited because I would look, could look at the financials of a pretty like single product, uh, you know, monitoring company, mm-hmm. which is theoretically awesome. And I never did that. But theoretically, I could like, if, if, uh, if my email got out and was used in some heinous way, I could track back to where it, uh, was, was released from. But I never do that. But more importantly, I can just filter all the email to different labels and it never really gets in my main inbox. So I there can get very little spam. But I find that works just fine. That's, that's fun to do. Uh, but it is, it is, and I finally gotten over this. So now I use my, uh, my cote.wtf domain name as a wild card thing one because it's shorter than coteindustries.com yeah. there's really no reason that's the only reason uh, uh you know i i've been looking for a two-letter domain just because i want something really short because i'm tired of writing it out yeah. on, 40, on, on on entry pass on entry cards i don't want to write like i actually use my work email address because it's short Mm. no that's true and every now and then there's a website that doesn't think that's a valid uh, tld which is fine Uh, i can fall back on another another one but and this is to the uh the annoyance that i think you know brandon mentioned is sometimes i have to tell people what that is uh and and it's it's a little awkward uh use that to i use that to tell them three times because they don't really believe it like when uh when you go to Home Depot, sometimes they want you, they want your email address for like receipts or I don't know, for something. And so, you right. know, I'll tell them like Home Depot at Cote.WTF and they're like, what? Uh, so that's always strange to tell them things. And sometimes they're just very confused. Like if I go to a, uh, a Marriott hotel, I'll say Marriott at Cote.WTF and they, some people are like, what, why, why do you, why is it Marriott? But overall, it looks fine. <laughs> You're like, I'm Marriott. Kote, do you actually find that um, kind of having the separate emails has it proved to be useful? I guess when we said a more simpler way, is it worth the hassle of having different emails? Is it paying off in some important way to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is that it's a uh, universal or universal is the wrong word. The filtering that happens is good. It's like automatic filtering, right? Like I don't even have to set up a rule to filter things. It's just like. I, you know, all, everything that goes to Cote Industries or Cote.io or Cote.wtf, it all skips my inbox and goes to some label, uh, somewhere. And then like, for example, I'll have another alias. I use like newsletters. I, I'm, I guess I'm giving all these out, but whatever. I have a newsletters one and I sign up for newsletters with that. And yeah, I think that works nice. It's the, there was a hassle once where I used to use for Matt Ray's reasons, Cote.io. <laughs> which is nice and short. Uh, and uh, when you when you host a, uh, a domain at WordPress, for some asinine reason, it does email forwarding, but only for five emails. 
And so yes. that, that kind of cut off a lot of my stuff. But then I quickly realized, oh, I don't want those emails anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. So, so uh, you might as well just be handing out email addresses like ASDF at ASDF.ASDF. Yeah. ASDF. yeah. Well, there's, there's <laughs> but that's a, too long. Uh, I think, well, I think, think it, it, it's at the hotel I stay at in London, the Great Northern Hotel, where you, you can use the email login for Wi-Fi. And uh, I, I, I was reminded of recently when I was there that uh, th- you just put in whatever you want. So there's a whole lot of Wi-Fi passwords for mail at mail.com. And, mm. you know. I do think it, um, it is those things. It's interesting um, just for, like, I guess, like, you know, the normal people out there uh, that probably aren't going to do all this. So, like, one, you do find yourself with these edge cases when you do these one-off emails like we talked about last week. Um, but I do think, you know, I do think it's – there really isn't uh, a good strategy, I think, at this point, rather to tell people to always use a social login like Apple versus use a password manager. Like I tend mm. to say, like, same email is fine because I, I feel like, as I mentioned last week, Google or Gmail is good enough at filtering various spam for me. Um, but I definitely think the password manager being like, you know, the place to always have different passwords, I feel like that is very valuable. Like that's like worth the extra step to me. I don't want the password shared amongst the social logins so i guess you know i'm becoming my own identity provider uh but i definitely you know feel for people that if you haven't made the leap to a password management it's mm. you know yes the social login is probably the second best option in my opinion yeah, yeah i just have this theory that someday i'm gonna move off of gmail <laughs> <laughs> yeah someday well as I, I, you know to your point about down, triple down. uh account linking right like that's what it all comes down to is everyone I think has a story uh, I can think of here in the U S like Yahoo and was really tight with like a DSL, which was real popular here in Austin, SBC and AT&T and like oh. they really encouraged you to bring your accounts together. Right. They really wanted you. In fact, you got like, uh, I mean, Flickr, which is, I know that's old now, but like you got, like you got some benefits. Right. And then, um, you know, what happens is like, you know, you outlive the, the company, essentially the relationship of the company. So then Yahoo was sold off and it was like, it was the opposite. It was like you have to disconnect these accounts, but even that wasn't very easy. Oh, it was so they painful. TFA, yes. two FA wouldn't really work, and you know that was the whole. And so, so now every time, like I, I'm a Directv customer, and they get bought by AT and T and stuff, and it's like, you know, I, I even now I, I really will won't do it. Like I won't merge accounts unless they you know just force it, right? Because because you're just like I don't know. I mean, maybe Directv or you know they get sold again, and it's just such a pain it's such a hassle when they won't you know it's almost harder to to pull them apart than it is to reconcile so you know you know in 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 the uh, this age of digital transformation discussion we should uh, i think we should start using yahoo as the new uh blockbuster and kodak and circuit city right because because like i mean how do you fuck that up like that's <laughs> just is is absurd and uh, there's so many little examples of like uh the you know people making decisions made very poor ones that were just like on the face of it were just obvious like yeah like that whole merging of like i i think i was subject to that like merging of yahoo mail and and S, what was it sbcglobal.net yeah. sbcglobal.net yeah i yeah. still can't get into my yahoo account yeah so weird and then Stop. and then and then you got flickr like how do you fuck flickr up like all all you need to do is like <laughs> I don't know. Every month, uh, slowly. sort of like do something. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, but I think if you put it in, uh, you know, kind of talking about mergers and acquisitions, just in general, right? Like, 
you think about like the lifespan of certain companies and products, like, you know, 10 years seems like a good, like long lifespan. If you think about it, you launch a product, it's around for 10 years. Mm. It's probably gonna be some peak where, you know, really you're five or seven or something that really hits and it's really doing well. But then there is going to be a point where it starts to taper off. Right. And I think, you know, whether it's enterprise software or anything else, like I think we're somewhat used to it, like the normal refresh cycles, but on the consumer side, like I think we're only now experiencing, I mean, to, you know, I think Google this week, uh, they, they launched the end of something like those, like the trips. trips. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And so it is, it is weird. I mean, how everybody now has to run your own essentially like a Denny management conversion process. It's like, well, I mean, I didn't ever use trips. So I'm not, this one I don't care about, but you do have to kind of figure out, well, now what am I going to do? Like, can I get the data out of it? Do I have to unlink the accounts? How dependent oh. on, on this? Like Flickr, I think for, I know Kote, you were a big Flickr user. You had to like download the pictures or mm-hmm. take a step or give it up. And so and it's kind of interesting how, you know, as these enterprise companies become more entwined, or sorry, consumer companies become more entwined in our lives that like you do, like everyone has to manage like their own little legacy uh, migration path. Like I'm sure uh, iTunes, which was announced, like it's, it's ending, right? The iTunes platform or uh, uh, desktop music players, we know it. So again, if you devoted your life to like lots of different music and ripping it, and I'm sure that's going to be a huge hassle for people, right? Man. Even though there is an alternative. So yeah, think of all those people who, uh, who did ID3 editing. And they get yeah. all the MP3s oh. in order. <laughs> I feel I feel called out here. I actually have written a program three times now, trying to convert all my stuff in iTunes to have proper IV3 tags. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> I've got like a hundred gigs of music, and a lot of it doesn't have good tags. But you know, you could you could kind of guess what it is. I mean, the the you know you could you could tag it properly if you just read the file names. And I, I, I've written in Go and Ruby, and you know it's half done, perpetually half done. Mm, mm. Well, you know? I, I didn't. I, I just I fu- looked it up to put it in the show notes. But there's a good. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to pronounce Polish, but uh, I think he's Polish, right? The guy who does Pinboard. He has a he has a good write up in this in this area of uh, what he learned from volunteering to secure congressional campaigns. And it has, uh, it has all the great talking points and social stuff that anyone who worries about passwords and stuff could ever have. And I think I'll call out two things that were interesting. One, he, he was like, uh, uh, well, there's three things. One, he was like, here's what, here's like, always recommend the blue Yubi key. Like there's a hundred other ones you can use. Just do that one. Just pick that, That's pick one and go with it. <laughs> and, then, and then as, as a part of that, he's like, here's the, this is what's going to happen in 10 minutes is there's going to be a bunch of blue Yubi keys and you're going to get them all mixed up. So bring a Sharpie and immediately like write who's is who. And then, uh, and then he said, you know, I would encourage people. And he, he said this, I think maybe in eighth jokingly, as he pointed out at the end, he was like, I would, I would tell people you don't use your own birthday for a password. Use your cat's birthday on one site and your dog's birthday on the other. Just don't use your dog's birthday for both. And, and, you know, it's sort of like, that's a ridiculous password. But again, it's this thing of like, he was like, and, and that was much more secure than whatever else they were doing. And then, yeah. uh, and then to the password manager thing, he was like, I could never get people to use password managers. Like just setting up what was setting it up was difficult. And then you had to train people on the whole thing of like actually using it, uh, which is too bad. And it made me think, I mean, I guess, I guess you wouldn't use the Apple password thing because not everyone would be using an Apple, but I don't know. That would seem to be easy. Who knows? 
I'm looking forward to logging in with Apple. That'll be fine. <laughs> uh, I just don't. I just don't want to use my face as a password. Mm. Right? Yeah, don't use your face as a password. Well, you know, there are some instances he was talking about where you have a shared password. You might have a social media login. Man, that's got to be a real shit show if you got to use the same password. But you know. This is, this is, I think, uh, even system administrators, sometimes they have to use the same password thing. They, you know, they, they know so much where they can worry about. They got a lot of stuff monitoring, uh, that they're looking at, things they're taking care of. Now, aside from password management, like what, what's a good tool people should look into if they got a lot of stuff to look after? Well, I think, you know, a couple things there, right? One, you said, uh, privileged identity management, right? For, uh, for users that, uh, have, uh, you know, system root stuff. So I think that is like, to me, one of the most overlooked ones. And then also to the point of, um, you know, the, I don't know, Twitter and the social accounts. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's sort of borderline a little bit on, um, just like almost just mismanagement and why they won't allow you to have multiple people on one account. So I don't, mm. I don't know. It feels, I don't know anyone that's ever had to manage a, a social account together. That's, that's, it seems like, you know, the obvious thing that people should do. Yeah. How, how about how about yourself, Matt Ray? What's something that that uh, could help out there? <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, as a as a system administrator, I think uh, I would look for a tool like uh, the one from SolarWinds. Uh, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their DevOps tools, Paper Trail. Diagnosing an app error, sudden spike in event messages, or a customer service ticket, get to the root cause fast using Paper Trail, powerful cloud-based log management designed for engineers by engineers. With Paper Trail, you can streamline troubleshooting with LiveTail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in just a few seconds. An event flow visualization lets you spot patterns and trends and pick out anomalies. You can select the trouble spot on the graph and instantly jump to those events. As you work, you can save searches and create alerts without leaving the event viewer. And there's nothing to install or set up, so you can be up and running in minutes. To learn more or try Paper or to try SolarWinds Paper Trail free for 14 days, go to papertrailapp.com slash SDT, all lowercase, and make troubleshooting fun again. That's right. Fun troubleshooting. I used to have a lot of fun doing troubleshooting when I was on third-level support and, you know, logs. But, you know, when we, when you were doing stuff at BMC, Matt Ray, did you, oh, uh, no. did you look at a lot of logs? <laughs> that seemed to be our main instrument, logs. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I actually ran in, uh, was on site with a customer last week who had our pro- the product we worked on. Oh, <laughs> Patrol Express. Yeah, what it's was that like? Of, yeah, I, I I was like, I was like, wait, 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 what did you say? And they're like, oh yeah, we got uh, this uh, BMC Patrol, like Patrol or Patrol Express. Oh, well, it's performance manager. I was like, oh my god, wow. <laughs> That, I always wonder what's up with that thing nowadays. That'd be fun. Ne- um, next time I go to Houston, yeah. I should arrange for someone to walk me through that. Go up in the elevator with the the, the cow skin mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, good uh, times. I don't think they have that anymore, but that's that's. Well, speaking of good times, you know, I, I uh, it kind of it kind of uh, evidences my my uh, focusing on things that matter instead of everything. But apparently, there was the uh, the big Mary Meeker slide fest. Now, now I've gone through maybe a third of the 333 slides just rapidly, and it is it is uh, it is comforting to know that some things don't change, which which is just the uh, the onslaught of charts and slides. 
is she still big on China and mobile? I think so. I think I think what I got in the first the first hundred or so slides was that uh, people are still using that internet, and yes. uh, and as far as it goes from like you know selling ads and stuff, still working out. Now I I think if I remember past years, the next two thirds, well the the middle third is more about like traditional businesses taking advantage of the internet. And then the, the the last third or fourth or so is just, you know, screwball stuff of the year. Probably something about like AI or voice or drones or something. I don't know. What what's the screwball thing nowadays? It's not voice anymore. It's not drones. It's, AI. it's still it's AI. Machine learning AI. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean there's the uh O'Reilly put out there um what they call it, the uh the radar. Well, no, no, no. Um, there. Uh, what's driving open source software in 2019 uh, oh, post, yes, and yes. where they were kind of diving into. Um, oh, the Oscon the stuff. Yeah, yeah. The talks, the the speaker proposals for Oscon, and and, and kind of reviewing like you know what's hot, what's not, uh-huh. and um, you know AI and machine learning were were you know if you if you tie them together like number five, and you know the the things that are and those are you know always up and coming and, and, you know, but looking through uh, their list, it's like, how come Java is moving back up again? So, you mm. know, I'm sure it's the, the data set is not big enough to, to, you know, extrapolate the entire, uh, all the trends, but it, it is a, a nice little thing that, you know, you see what people at least want to talk about, maybe not hear about, but, um, you know, containers, blockchain, they're, they're going down. Oh, I, I like how that post began where it was basically within within a few sentences, it established that OSCON was the uh, the master dipstick for what's going on in the open source <laughs> world. It's just like for for decades, we have been the masters of open source and topic worlds. So allow us to proceed. Which, I don't which, like OSCON. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been I mean, to OSCON in I, a while. I, 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 I take that back. As a as an attendee, it's overwhelming with their like mm. fourteen tracks or whatever. Yeah. And it it's just like it's just a crapshoot of randomness almost, it feels. Um I don't know. I mean the unifying theme is like internet is like open source. And that's like saying, you know, unifying theme of internet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, I I uh I of course every now and then apply to speak to that conference like I do to uh conferences because i'm i'm one of those people who uh, complains about you know airfare travel and uh, other thought lording problems uh and and uh yeah i i was looking at that conference recently and it is kind of like i mean that this i know this sounds ridiculous but it's like oh yeah there's conferences that are just sort of genuinely about a topic and like you know a community that's coming together to uh discuss things which i think comes up for the various um uh like linux foundation conferences where as 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 we cover here right like there may be some sort of uh seemingly ludicrous like cartoon book explaining everyone's favorite uh container orchestration thing but it's sort of like yeah but that's what the community wants like mm-hmm. it's good for them it doesn't necessarily have to be some fantastic uh commercial or feature announcement or or how someone's uh using it for their superpowers you can just have people come together and uh, I don't know community. Yeah, but tickets are like fifteen hundred bucks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do think this gets back to like something we've talked about a bunch. There's another article this week. I just 
it does feel like open source is just one of many tactics, right? You can use. And then there was another thing today about like open source is dead or something like open source and, and just to like, or commercial open source is dead and all those things. I think the thing that people just need to be precise about is that going forward, venture back commercial open source companies probably have a very difficult time meeting the returns that a venture capitalist wants. That's really the yeah. only, and that, and I think you could even make, you could even go back in time and say, that's pretty much always been the case and nothing has changed. If anything, it's just more obvious uh, where the, the money will go to the large cloud providers. So I think people just narrowed this conversation down to venture back commercial open source has never really turned out tons of successful companies. There are a few examples, but it is not by no means a cure all to make billions of dollars. But right. you want to use open source for many other reasons, either because your company uses it and they want to put a project out. You want to keep a, I'm going to say a company that raises less than $5 million can probably have some type of commercial offering or services or training and do quite well for the investor or themselves. Um, or, you know, there is just, you know, the idea that someone else wants to put it out there for some other reason, right? The community uh, updates it and they get to use it as well. Like that just seems like the obvious like explanation of all of this, right? Mm. It comes down. To, and so I don't know, do you need a conference? You know I mean? Back to Matt, Matt Ray's point, it's like, you know, it's kind of back to uh, the thing we talked about so much in technology marketing is like talk about the problems, not the solutions, right? And it's like, yeah, I mean, if well, you have a, if you have a, just a open source conference, it's like, yeah, maybe a few people would be interested in that, but it's not a broad based conference that lots of, I think lots of people are going to go to, to like solve their own problem. And, and they have changed their format. I mean, they, they, they still have, you know, a dozen tracks or whatever, but like previous years, they actually had tracks that were language based. You know, and that was just, you know, that doesn't really matter anymore. I mean, it, it matters, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I like my programming languages, but they're more along the themes of like, you know, how to do cloud native, how to do, you know, big data processing or how to do AI ML and the implementation's less important than, you know, the strategies, right? It's, it's less about the tactics and more about the higher points. And, but the thing is like, if you're going to such a large conference and you want that track, you'd probably be better served by going to a conference that's more focused on just that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I mean, that, that, that's my take on Oscar. I mean, uh, I was always like, if you want that style of conference, I was always more a fan of, of scale, you know, the Southern California Linux expo. Cause it's like, it's the same size, almost all the same time. For all the system <laughs> administrators out there. Well, no, it's the Southern California Linux Expo, right? Oh, that's so, right. I'm thinking of, of what's the other one? Lisa, uh, Lucy? Lisa, yeah. There you go. Large installation sysadmins, something like that. Yeah, I feel. Um, I feel like that so, conference must have been founded by the name back in like the time when there was Netware, and it was basically the not Netware conference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it was, uh, I guess it's an ACM conference, so it's a little more academic, a little oh, more right. old school. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I like, I like Oscon, but uh, if if I'm if I'm paying, I'm I'm going to go to somewhere mm. cheaper. Yeah, that, that uh, is. I I never thought of that, but that is kind of an odd uh, an odd conference now. I mean, I think I think that article sort of uh maybe that's kind of the premise of it is and and you know the case that it makes on its own is like ah oh, we got this like industry's the wrong word but we've got this uh industry subsegment and it's just about whatever's going on there which i don't know i think is fine and then increasingly it's just about like everything 
yeah that's my point right yeah yeah yeah. although it it does like what you're saying brandon it makes me think like i'm always trying to come up well not always every now and then i'm trying to come up with a uh some some sort of like generalized sort of uh you know old man giving advice thing and maybe you know there's a series of books that are like uh letters to a young poet and letters to this and and you know advice to that maybe there should be one and and basically our our entire run on this podcast i could just extract it from it it could just be like you know no, notes to a young programmer about open source and it can just be like here here are the 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 three <laughs> things you are going to discover and here's what to think about them over and over again yeah. and that could be like one of your 5 minute ignite talks or a a 30 minute uh, talk at, 45 minute uh, one at our uh, heritage conf um, mm. or what were we going to call our, our legacy software conference yeah we'll, we'll give out copies of the books we'll be signing yeah know, check it out, out. You can check out, I can't remember, you know, Matt, you'll know, Adam Jacobs, you know, he's got a site, right, where he kind of uh, kind of goes over the various um, open source models I thought was pretty good. But I do think there still probably is a place for, uh, and maybe it's it's not so much advice. I think it's sort of like just explaining, right? Like, here's how it works, right? Here's what, I actually do think something very, very simple, probably 15 minutes, like, here's what open source is, right? Here are the common licensing models. Here are the common business models. Here are the pro cons for each one of them. Mm. And just, just, and it does, it's not even rendering judgment. Cause I think sometimes that's what happens in a lot of these, you know, whatever blogs or various, there's always you know, people, not only they want to explain it, but then they want to like tell you what their version of it is. It's like, oh, I yes. think it's outlined it like here, here, cause I think there is enough collective, um, you know, understanding or definition of like, here are the license models, here are the business models, here are the pro cons you know, make your own decisions that I think that would maybe actually be more useful than all this hand wringing of like, this is an open source or this is, or this isn't, you know, it, it's, it's almost like if you just put the information there, let people decide for themselves, I would, it would educate them and also maybe just like move the conversation forward a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I think, I think that, that part is good. And uh, man, I remember back in the salad days when I was working at Red Monk, I bet, you know, Red Monk made a lot of money off of that. <laughs> <laughs> just just like explaining in the mid 2000s what uh what how open source well, worked and and i think i think i think you know the what i was originally thinking of was more of just like here here's ways you will be disappointed <laughs> and and just <laughs> just sort of like going over look oh, man nobody wants that talk yeah, yeah it's gonna be and, like you know the, the the first keynote at oscar let, let, let me tell you how open source is going to disappoint you yeah yeah and, <laughs> and and maybe maybe it has some more clever uh title like before you write a fifteen thousand word screed just watch like, this five minutes rush. right it, yes yeah it's just like these these uh these things will happen over and over again and Which, it's going to occur and just do not do not uh do not feel like you need to be astonished uh by this thing happening or feel betrayed or anything it's just like it's it's uh it's it's gonna happen. That's, that's I think the way though, things go. Uh Cote, I think I agree with you and I think you're onto something there, but I've I've just noticed that like I think the way to convey that message is stepping back and it's more I guess I don't know another word for it, it would almost be like the explainer version of it. It's like mm. it's um I don't know, call it fiction or whatever you want. Like, you know, any, any great writer, it's like it's better to allow the the reader to like give you know, if you will formulate their that final conclusion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like so I think of like, these talks is, and rather than like kind of giving them the shortcut or the cliff notes, it's like, here, I'm going to explain all of these things. Cause like, so I've seen some stuff, um, in these other books where they'll just say like, um, like 
here's what, you know, here's what happens in bankruptcy, right? And they'll just explain it, right? It's like a negative outcome, right? But like, it's better to say like, hey, the company, you know, company did X and then this is what happened. And then this was the process they went to like wind down, right? Or this is the process if you have to like lay someone off. So if you take kind of like something that's maybe, you know, like a little bit of uh, vegetables, like you're trying to, and you kind of take out all the commentary about it and you just kind of explain factually, like here's what, here's what happens, right? Here are the options. Here's some possible solutions. Here's what happens when those questions are answered differently. And then you let them decide at the end. It's like, oh, well, maybe open source, maybe, you know, I probably shouldn't raise a hundred million dollars <laughs> uh, trying to make a billion dollars in open source after reading that out. Right. You know, um, I just find that that seems to be more effective than someone just doing what I just did. Like, you're crazy. Don't do that. That's stupid. Right. People tune that out real quick. Yeah. 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 But, but I, if, if you're an investor, if you're, if you're the investor, do you want somebody who's like, you're going to get a modest return on your in, in, investment or they're like, we're going to the moon. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's probably easier to raise, you know, a hundred million than it is to raise 50. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I think that's all like, I mean, I think the, the book or the, the talk I'm talking about, is just like, before you do that, right. It's like, yeah, yeah once the room, like, listen, once you've taken the meeting with a venture capitalist, like you're committing to some type of billion dollar vision. Right. So I think that's, I think that's sort of like, well, leading up to that is like, Hey, absorb all of this, right? The pros and cons of open source and then decide, like, I don't know, maybe to use like a more technical example. I don't know if this book is even that popular anymore, but like the whole design patterns book, like Gang of Four, right? Yeah, yeah. But like that's a great book and like it just explains what all of them are, right? You just read through it. It gives you a little bit of pro cons. It doesn't, you know, necessarily tell you like, don't use this one, don't do this. It just it gives you all the information and then over time, right? You, you use them in different ways and you kind of learn on your own. And And, and I think, that book just seems so popular because it's just like, to me, it just gives you so much information and you go draw your own conclusions versus someone coming out and saying like, these 10 design patterns suck. You should never use them, right? These are the five that you should only use. It's like that kind of yeah. stuff. It's like, it doesn't go as far as like, here's all the information, right? But, but that's, that's better look. clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Man, De dealing with convincing people is exhausting. Just why, why <laughs> won't they just listen? I'm going back to the code. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, and and I think I think I think I think in this uh, this theoretic like uh, letters to whoever, I think I think uh, uh, a lot of the focus would be on on people who use the open source because they seem to be the ones who get the most upset when when something goes wrong or you know they just they just feel some. It, it goes back to that like you know my sister ate some sugar so therefore I should have sugar, or like you told me not to watch TV and now my sister gets to watch TV and I'm just gonna slip in there and say I'm not the one who turned the TV on. It was her. It's just this sort of ridiculous, like, like you know, uh, open source buyer beware or something. I don't know. It's frustrating. I was I was reading some uh, you know one of these long screeds that comes out and just just waiting for the uh, the punchline. And of course, the punchline was the way that any programmer solves a problem: more programming. Like that's. <laughs> That's the the programmer has like that one that one cool tool uh, yep. to solve problems. I, I've got a hammer, and uh, you know everything looks like a nail. Yeah, if I if I if I if I think uh, if I think I should be getting your hammers for free, uh, and I have been, and now I have to pay for your hammers, or they have this theoretic fear that your ha you might be controlling the hammers at some point. What I'm going to do is invent a new hammer. Got my own well, hammer and, going here. And, and that's what like kind of leads to this life cycle of, of you know products and projects is like 
you know, you've got something, it's good enough, it's kind of done, it's got a natural life cycle. And part of that natural life cycle is looking at a tool and saying, eh, it was good for what it did, but things have changed. Now I need to rewrite it. Or it's it was good when I was this size, but now they've changed their licensing. And so it's hard to have something sustainable long-term that uh, is going to grow, right? I mean, yeah. you you, you got to keep looking for new ways to, to make revenue or be content to like have your one thing and, and do it well. And VC doesn't like one thing. Now, now, now narrowed down to the tech industry here, here, here I am, dare I say, here we are writing letters to people younger than us, trying to give them advice. Mm. Now, now, if we were to find some, let's say 80 year olds, what letters do you think they would be writing to us? What are, what are they telling us that we're doing wrong? Watch out for Nazis. Um. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and boy, if they're zombie Nazis, just just go somewhere else. Just burn it down, move to another planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I'm sure they'd have some advice about Amsterdam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's... Uh, well, by definition, def- you don't know. But it, it it is curious to, like, think about. Yeah, that. yeah. No, but it, I was going to say, if you look at things like uh, the sort of advice that comes out of Warren Buffett, right? You, mm. you know, he's... He fits that model and he's still very successful at what he does. And he, he wants some, there to be some sustainable long-term model underlying the business. And that, you know, that's something that, you know, can continue to, 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 to be monetized going forward, you know, with a healthy business on top of it. So that's, yeah. you know, that's business basics 101, right? But um, you, you need to have something more substantial than Flash. You know, I, I maybe putting that on the the user side of things as as an advice for openers of open openers, users of open source. Uh, the advice is sort of like uh, I don't know. It's like it's like one of my favorite headstones, if not my favorite headstone, the Bukowski one, which is "Don't try, just like stop, <laughs> just you know, stop stop coming up with things and trying to improve." Just, just find a good stable investment where the uh, the, the brand is undervalued and uh, you've got a good chance of succeeding at it. Stability, that's that's what you want. Which I think so, you know that seems business. to happen to all the uh, the big fancy open source people of old. You just don't really like hear from them very much anymore. And every now and then they just do some work. Well, there was the uh, the, the Forbes article, uh, "No Easy Way Forward for Commercial Open Source Vendors," and there there were a lot of links dropped in there and. You know, uh, somewhere in there, uh, I was talking about, um, uh, maybe it wasn't in there. I'm like looking through it. Uh, the, the various Hadoop companies, right? There, you know, you had, um, you had Cloudera who, you know, merged, acquired Hortonworks, and then their CEO left, and then their tank, their stock kind of tanked. And then you've got Mapper, who was kind of the number three who couldn't raise another round of funding and are about to shut down. Like their CEO was laid off. Um, and a, you know, a whole bunch of employees were laid off and it's like, that's not good. You know, is the, and, and, and I need to find that article, uh, link to it. But, but kind of the point was like, well, Hadoop had a good run. Um, it's, you know, probably <laughs> plateau. No, I mean, it, it's, it's a, a very solid, stable technology that's well known, but you know, most people are just going to go to the cloud for it. And it's not growing, I, you know, it, 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 
Cloudera is a public company. They're not, they don't have a ton of growth opportunity off that one trick. Mm. Right. Wait, wait, you know, this raises another question, which is slightly more, uh, more different level than, than the whole open source thing, which is always fun to poke at. But, but what is, so, so what is this? We got a, we got June 13th, 2019. What is, what is the current working position on everything goes to public cloud? <laughs> it's still true. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, it, it's probably going to get into like, you know, um, monopoly theory about how there's some natural monopolies. And I think having the huge platform where everyone runs is going to slowly take the capital away from other things. Mm. So, you know, you can, you can, you can make your money, uh, you know, your lifestyle businesses are going to be the people servicing those platforms. You know, right. and when I say lifestyle businesses, I'm talking about IBM and, you know, people doing integrations, you know, people doing the SIs and it, you know, that that's a nice consistent source of revenue. Like enterprises are always going to need someone to help them out. But, you know, being this, you know, um, you know meteoric rise where you escape and, and become this, you know, massive company there's a lot of gravity in those public clouds that just kind of pull everything back to them. Well, I, you know, I was thinking of this cause there was a, uh, there was a post, a post, you know, people still have blogs. It's mostly companies. <laughs> it's kind of comforting that a blog still exists, but there was, there was a blog post from, uh, uh, the CEO of cloud bees basically declaring that Paz is dead because everything goes to public cloud, uh, which, which was, you know, for me thrilling. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, it was, it was, it was very clear and strident, but it raised the specter again of, uh, and, you know, I guess it could be a friendly specter, a scary one, depending on whatever, but it's just basically like, meh, you should just give up. It's all in public cloud now, no, no matter what you do. And, and his, his point was that if you're doing, uh, any sort of pass thing, uh, the problem is Kubernetes is going to win because basically because of pricing, because it's free. Because the way that these uh, the public cloud companies make money, they don't need to make money on that. Which there's something odd in that argument that I think would be covered in like letter number uh, eight or something, which is you know give away something for free because you uh, make up the money somewhere else, which which might work. Although I always wonder, it'd be nice to interview like three people who do strategy and to see if there that actually is a, a com- company strategy of like. We should spend $50 million over here and the business case looks terrible because we're going to make more money over here, which is that's a difficult thing to get past people. But maybe it works. People spend money on advertising and that seems to be, uh, you know, half of it doesn't work. Anyhow, it, you know, raised a, it, it was, it was a, it was a, uh, uh, succinct, unconfusing, you know, but basically just posited case of like, eh, this is over. Everything's public cloud now. <laughs> I think so. What do you do? Your earlier question, right? It's like, what would someone much older than us, you know, what what's the advice they would give? Right? And I think the thing they would say is something like, you know, everybody seems to overvalue the present. Like the moment we're in right now, right? It it does certainly look like you know a lot of it, like Kubernetes, and a lot of that. Those statements look true, but you know, I think if if you think it, once you go through a couple of these cycles, and maybe we've gone through a couple now but like we hopefully have many left right someone that's gone through even more would say you know you just you tend to we always tend to overvalue the present like it's only going to be this way it's only going to be this way going forward i think you could say i think for a horizon of like five or ten years it's like 
most things are going to move to the public cloud, but it's going to go slower than we think it will because people are just the inertia of trying to get everything there um, takes longer than we want it to, right? And then two, like it's always the unanticipated, you know, technological revolution. Like if tomorrow there was the ability to run like an Amazon data center in today, what we think of just like one rack, right? Like of all the computing and you didn't need to do, because think about that, you didn't need to do all this distributed stuff and you, because you could just put it all in one machine, like the super mainframe, right? I'm not saying this is going to happen by any way, but I'm just saying like it's always, you got to think that way. It's like, well, then suddenly, well, maybe it does make sense for everyone to just have their own rack computer, right? That they just can run themselves and, and they can keep the data wherever they would want and they can keep it on premise and it's just really easy to maintain, right? It'd be like going back and saying like, hey, there's not going to be... Uh, computers, the computer shipments are going way down. And then, you know, the iPhone comes out, right? And, and all these mobile devices, which are just small computers. And you could, you could argue we have more computers now than we've ever had, right? So, mm. so I think that's like we get caught up in the present. And I think, and you can kind of see like the foundation of like why, like I think Kubernetes is going to be very successful. I do agree. It's the platform of like, you know, of the future being, you know, five or 10 years. But you can already see, you know, if we're doing this podcast in 10 years, God help us, right? We're going to, we'll see, and we'll be talking about how the mesh networking, it's too complicated in Kubernetes. It's just taken way too, it's too heavyweight. Um, all these, running these containers, it's actually too complicated. And there will be a new, like you can kind of already feel that, like inside the platform, right? That, that you know, it's it's almost like today it's it's what, you know, allows you to do all the scalability, but it's really what tomorrow is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hamper it. And you kind of already see it a lot with some of the, like, I think the very, very cutting edge people getting frustrated with all the things they have to do and it's more complicated than they want it to be. So you can kind of see like five or 10 and go back in time, like think of like any enterprise Java beams comes to mind or any of the Java technologies that kind of went through that same life cycle, right? Where the complexity just got so big, people got frustrated with it and something changes. And I think, you know, that's going to happen again, right? I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I think it's just part of the normal life cycle. Mm. I, I like, I like that framing. That's good. That's a very, uh, Talabian way of looking at things is like, you've got a, uh, one, you know, just like the lottery, you got to be in it to win it. So you just got to like be there. And, uh, as long as you don't implode and blow up, you know, the, the best way to be successful is to not fail essentially. <laughs> and, uh, just to kind of avoid all the giant problems and then just whatever comes along, you can take advantage of it or, or help, uh, help drive it. That's, it <clears throat> seems like a solid way of, uh, metaphorically investing in things. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, if you could stick it all in one rack, I think, you sense. know, when you think about companies that today, we don't, we think of like, you know, kind of falling back, whether it's IBM or Oracle or just large enterprises, like to your point, right. And I think, you know, there are many examples of this, they do seem to have enough staying power to get to the next cycle, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what the next technological big shift will be. But as we've seen before, it's like the people that miss one cycle are often the first people on the next cycle, right? So it mm. seems like, yeah, it's crazy now that the companies that we think aren't winning, right, would ever overtake, you know, the leaders. But if we just think about history, that's kind of what normally happens, right? Yeah, Somebody like, like with a, Microsoft, basically. Yeah, they, I mean, they, it's got. I mean, something will happen. Like Microsoft missed mobile, right? But they seem they're the most valuable company in the world, and they now they're on cloud. They seem to be doing just fine, right? And Apple, there's a long history of Apple. They get used all the time, kind of on the ropes there, and they they kind of led mobile. So something will happen, and it will replay itself in some new way. Because again, like we overvalue the present, right? We overvalue like today. 
um, without like kind of thinking like things change because that's how that's just how it always is. Mm, I, this is making me think one of the slides in this uh, slides slash topic areas in this, uh, you know, letters, letters to a young open source user. It should be more general, you know, maybe, maybe letters to a young uh, technology person, whatever that means. There, there, there was, you know, there was some outage of uh, Google Cloud stuff. Was this this last weekend? I don't know when it was. Doesn't really matter. I was trying not to use sure. my computers too much on the weekend, which is totally not true. Uh, but uh, there was, there were, you know, it was written up in the hustle. A newsletter I used to subscribe to. It was kind of fun. Uh, and And one of the comments underneath was like, you know, Move to Azure, and I, I think I think what you would have would be a screenshot of that, and uh, you would basically just say, "This is not helpful." Just like yes. that. <laughs> like your time like, is coming. Yeah, like whatever, whatever, uh, whatever sort of font of of youthful energy caused you to first think this and then post it. Just don't do that. Like that doesn't it uh, that doesn't make any sense. And, and, uh, you know, also, uh, just as a, if I may, maybe this would also be in there too, is like every time some cloud things goes down, people are like, you know, does this, does this portend the end of humanity? And I always think like, you know, compared to what, like, like managing my own backup and storage in my home. That's like, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like even if I was good at it, it's going to break. Right. So it's just like it's, uh, you know, you, you have to judge things like that relative to uh, what the other options are, which are usually much more terrible. I would go one step further and just say, like, all of those articles at this point are just confirmation bias. The reason that people write them, if you're if you have to if you're a writer and you have to you know write something, it's like you want to get a bunch of views. So, like, write something that's sort of, you know, we we'll call it clickbait, call it confirmation bias, whatever. Right. It's just like because a bunch of people are skeptical of moving stuff to the cloud or. They don't want to do it or they prefer to like kind of keep things the way they are, which is the absolute normal reaction for all human beings is to avoid change. So someone writes something goes down and then it's just like, see, oh, you know, maybe we should keep our super secret important thing that we're doing. We should just run it in our data center. And that's why, you know, that's that's mm. why the views of all of that um, go up over and over again. So it's just it's just a cycle that it's just human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of human nature, people like stickers, right? If they wanted to get some software-defined talk stickers, what should they do, Brandon? Yeah, they should uh, email me at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Send me your postal address, and I will certainly send you some stickers. We can send them pretty much anywhere in the world. So happy to do that. And just a quick uh, little bit of list of recommendation, but uh, some people put us on a list. You know, best IT development podcast of 2019 for consultants. So... Listen, if you rank us on any type of list, we'll we'll take that clickbait. We'll take it. We'll advertise it. So uh, I think we're ranked like number 13 or 14. So we'll take it. We appreciate that. And there's a bunch of, uh, if you're looking for more to listen to, uh, you should click on that. Uh, the link in the show notes. And there's, I think he's got 50 different podcasts around IT uh, to check out. So there's lots of stuff. Some you'll know or some I knew and some, some are new to me. So So check that out. For consultants, all the consultants out there, thank you for listening. That's, yep. that's always good to know. We, well, we encourage your lifestyle businesses. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> apparently IBM is becoming a lifestyle business, which, which is great. <laughs> that's good to hear. They got, they got songs. Well, uh, you know, there, we, if you go to the show notes at software defined talk.com slash one eighty three, you'll find some discounts to, uh, uh, DevOps days, Minneapolis and a listing of a few other things. We still have a lot of spring one tours out there going over programming and spring and, uh, I might still be at some of those. 
You, I think there's one at, at Atlanta that's already <laughs> happened or uh, is happening today and tomorrow. So good luck getting to that one. But you should go uh, check that out. If you go to springonetour.io, you can go to all sorts of ones. And there's a, uh, I think it's uh, next week, there's a ChefCon in London that you can go to. I still have not gotten any invite for a, uh, uh, you know, a secret surprise keynote walk on but that's fine yeah, there's still time you're, you're the opening keynote kote you're here <laughs> to talk about businesses that make money and are boring that's right that's right <laughs> let, letters to young people that that, that would that, to young people uh that would be great well uh and i was, you know you should join the slack just go look there there's a lot of good conversations including we didn't talk about uh uh salesforce buying tableau but uh yeah. we discussed uh looker being bought the other day uh, not the other. Day. I guess it was technically on a day. I mean, everything that happens is on a day, isn't it? Relative, you know, from the perspective yes. of humans. <laughs> Anyhow, <Don't try. laughs> uh, but there was some nice commentary. Uh, I forget what the handle of the person was, but there was some good clarification on that. Always good commentary going on in the Slack channel. Uh, but with that, Matt Ray, what is your recommendation yes, for this episode? Uh, I got two recommendations. Speaking of uh, uh, good advice and, and whatnot, um, I, last night I watched uh, Ricky Gervais's new comedy special, uh, Humanity, on Netflix, um, where he, you know, tries to offend lots of people, uh, but wraps it in uh, good humor and and freedom of speech and whatnot. So uh, I definitely laughed pretty hard at that. Uh, so if if you like that style of things, um, check it out. Uh, and then I just happened to be discussing backpacks with someone, uh, cause you know, it's all about that backpack life. Um, and the backpack that I have, the go Ruck echo has been discontinued. So, uh, which means they're on sale. So, grab so are you one. buying like an, five of them? I'm tempted to buy another one. Um, I really like my backpack and, uh, but the thing is, it's like, it's an investment, right? It's not a, you know, it's not a $40 backpack. Um, it's on sale for two, 200, um, on clearance. And, uh, but you know, maybe in 10 years I might need a new one and that's the one I really like. What are you going to do? Mm, man, these are tough choices. Put that, <laughs> put that in the letters to the young person. There's going to be a whole section on uh, backpacks and gear. Uh, yeah, that, that, that'll, that'll be my, my track. Oh man, I, I need to go, I need to go ideate on that. I feel like there's a lot of content I could put out and then, and then you could go interview people have some some comments in there that you know you know i don't know if this is if this is something i'm excited about or sad commentary <laughs> on conference talk selection but i feel like a talk on just backpack trips you know tricks and tips and advice would get accepted at any conference you uh you submitted it to i, I it depends on the reviewers right if 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 they're if they're all you know old, old industry people like us maybe you know, if mm. they're looking for the latest uh, on, on service meshes, probably not. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you got to put those service meshes somewhere. And it might as well be a, a bag. In, in the keynote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Uh, I watched uh, another good movie on uh, Netflix called I Am Mother. It's uh, a little sci- sci-fi, dystopian kind of uh, look, but kind of a different take on it. So I enjoyed it. I think it's uh, it's worth watching. It's got a little little twist, a little bit different than uh, some stuff I've seen before. So check it out. Mm. Yeah, Kim watched that uh, without me, which is fine. And uh, she liked that too. She explained it a little bit to me, but not not so much well, so as a spoiler. Don't, don't spoil it. I might watch mm. it. 
and then and then turn around and recommend it like Brandon. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, my recommendation this week, I was over at the, uh, I can never pronounce anything. I was at the, 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 the Reich Museum, Reich's Museum. I know that's the wrong way of saying it. Sounds like Nazi stuff, but that's fine. Well, it's not fine, but I don't know how to pronounce it. You know, the big museum with all the old art they have here. Uh, and, uh, for some reason, I bought some like notebook they have. Uh, well, not, I don't know why. That's why it's for some reason, but the, the, I got the magma. As in M A G M A, like lava, I guess. What? Hey, geologist, what's the difference between magma and lava? Uh, good question. Um, I guess I, I want to say magma's under the earth. Mm, yeah. Which which that that raises a curious philosophic quagmire. Like, if magma is under the earth, how is it that we would ever see it? And then, therefore, why would we differentiate? Like, it's sort of like you know, magma is just lava waiting to happen. I, I feel like from a human perspective, that's my position. <laughs> Anyways, uh, there's, I just noticed in finding a link for it, there's several editions of these magma sketchbooks, as they call them for architects, idea generation. But I got the one that's for art and illustrated stuff. And it's nice. It's nice to have a little paper notebook. And this one's fancy uh, to play around in. So you should look into that. Get yourself a magma sketchbook. And uh, it, each of them has like uh, uh, several pages in the back giving you advice about whatever the topic is. I wonder what the fashion one would say. That's a whole area of interest I don't think we have in the tech world too much. The technical nature of fashion. Always, always interested in that. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get uh, this episode, uh, see the show notes for it. I suppose you already have it because you're listening to it. But if you want to uh, get the show notes for it, there's all sorts of stuff we didn't talk about. As always, we enjoy discussing the nature of open source and infrastructure software. A little bit of identity and security in there. Pretty good topics. Uh, but you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 183, because this is episode 183. There's also a whole bunch of other episodes there you can look into, and you can see how to join uh, the Slack channel that we have, other things like that. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey. If you've listened this far, you'll probably like uh, the little book that I put together of my past columns, Digital WTF. WTF can stand for whatever you like. Anyhow, if you want to get a copy of it, check out the show notes, and you can find a link to get it basically for $5. Uh, I think if you go to leanpub.com slash digital WTF slash C slash SDT, you can go directly to it. And now I'll tell you a secret as well. If you go to cote.io slash books, there's a link there. I don't know when I'll stop doing this, but you can basically go get it for free. All I want from you, other than your pure enjoyment of the book, is uh, try to help me hustle it and sell it to other people. So if you have it, you know, maybe tweet about it, put it in your LinkedIn, or just tell someone that, hey, you might want to check this book out, and you can send them whatever link you want. You can send them the PDF for all I care. I just uh, want people to read it. So uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Remember... Go to cote.io slash books. You got to eat when you're hungry. So I had carrots and uh, I had one carrot I sliced lengthwise. And then I had, uh, I had, we had some egg salad, egg salad. I was going to say sandwich, but it's just egg salad. Uh, and we need to eat that because we're going out of town for a few days soon tomorrow. And, uh, but now I put a, a mystery ingredient in there that I learned from my wife. I want to give each of you one guess. What is something that would go with carrots? Mystery ingredient. How about you go first, Richard? 
So it's not an ingredient in the egg salad, just something that goes with carrots, period. Well, it could go with carrots on its own, but I did put it into the egg salad. Uh, and it's not like pickle. pepper or anything like that. Like it's no. its own thing. Pickles? Pickles, that's a good guess. Egg salad with pickles is delicious. However, that is not what it is. How about how about special guest? First, why don't you introduce yourself and then take a guess? Tony McCauley from Home Depot. Uh, so not a, not a condiment, something. So not pepper, not a spice. Well, uh, it's not a spice. It is a condiment, but it's it's. Ah, uh, you see. Okay. Um, let's go with. Oh man, I have no idea. No idea. You just totally give up. That's fine. Okay. I mean, if it's say ketchup, we're we're stopping this podcast. Oh, right that's close. That's close. The secret ingredient. Oh, no. The secret ingredient was mustard. Oh, I almost said mustard. I think mustard's okay. Yeah. But doesn't yeah. mustard come in all egg salad? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's not. That doesn't feel very edgy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I. You know this. This. Uh, you know, I got. I got the Albert Hein, the sort of uh, grocery store. The as I like to think of it, the H E B. Uh, of the uh-huh. Netherlands, and uh, their egg salad is a little mild. Maybe there's like a Indonesian or Surinamese egg salad I can get. I don't know if there's mustard. In it. Okay, okay, you got me there. Normally, I w- would put mustard in there, but my whole point to this story is uh, uh, I learned about a year ago that you could actually put mustard, just regular mustard, on carrots, and that just like blew my mind. That seemed just crazy, but uh, apparently that's totally normal in some I'm parts. Not- I'm gonna. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna take your word for it and try it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like I had a, I had a, I had a Dijon mustard, a little spicy, a little horseradishy, even regular mustard. It's it's a strange combination, but but uh, but it works out. It's pretty good. See if you do if you do the spicy mustard, I oh, I can do that on almost everything. See, yeah, I love that. Yeah. See exactly. That's that's I normally I, I that's what I was thinking with the Dijon mustard. Is like I like I like some spicy food, and I have a theory that like if you have. You know, I can only eat like one carrot before I just like am really bored. You know, like carrots really good. <laughs> and then like you get to that second carrot and it's just like, oh man, I feel like I should just put a bunch of dirt in my mouth. Not that it tastes like dirt, but it's just like there's nothing going on. And uh, yeah. I thought if I had some, some spiciness, it would, it would, uh, I guess yeah. metaphorically speaking, spice up the carrot. That's right. Maybe it goes on your tuna pizza from a couple episodes back. Ooh. Oh no. No, I still am not into that. That's that's no yeah. good. <laughs> Checking. That is no good. I don't I don't think fish goes on pizza. That's well, I guess anchovies. That's it. But is that really fish? Anchovies, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's like the know. McDonald's of the fish. It's yeah. The McDonald's yeah. version of fish. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll say, you know, I think there's a lengthy fish conversation we could have about anchovies where I think, I feel like an anchovy is sort of like a chip and in that a chip is often just an excuse to eat a bunch of queso, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe anchovy is just an excuse for salt, but that's, that's a category of food we could dive into, uh, on the next episode you're on, perhaps, Tony. 